0: Good morning, Shoreline City. Y'all ready for a great day? We ready, we ready, we ready? Hey, Balcony, how are you guys doing up there? Everybody happy? Great to see you, beautiful folks. And we, I think we have folks in the chapel as well. Let's give them a round of applause as well. Great to see all of you today, everybody watching online. I am so excited about today and about what God is doing in our hearts and lives. Last week, my wife shared an amazing message. I was so inspired, so encouraged. I love her so much. I'm keeping her for the rest of my life. Will you have me, honey? Will you have me? Thank you. Okay, good. So, hey, we're going to start a new series today called Follow Back. Follow Back. And uh, this is really going to walk through the lives of a few individuals in Scripture who interacted with Jesus and, and what that interaction was like and what we can learn from their interactions with Christ. So if you wouldn't mind, turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse number 1. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, put the Scripture on the screen for you so you can follow along with us. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Uh, let me give you uh, a couple of things that are going to be important uh, as you are reading through the Bible. Um, whenever you pick it up, and I wanna, I, number one, I want to encourage you to pick it up or, or open it on your app, do that as often as you possibly can. But whenever you do that and you're reading through something, uh, I want you to ask yourself a few questions. You can ask uh, yourself, who are the main characters in this passage of Scripture? Who are the main characters? Who are the people that are, that are in the story just like if you would read a book or you would go to the movies, you would notice who are the main characters. In this passage of scripture, we can see Jesus is a main character. We can see there is a man who's been living amongst, amongst the tombs is a main character. If you read in Mark chapter 4, you'll recognize that Jesus was with some of his disciples. Here they are as well in the story. Not only do you want to ask yourself who are the main characters, you want to ask yourself what is going on in this passage? What's taking place here? Uh, what's the storyline? You can do this pretty much with every passage of scripture uh, that, you, that you read. What's going on in the passage? And then you definitely want to ask this question what's the context? What's the context? Many people have taken a verse of Scripture, they like the Scripture, uh, and they pull it out of context and they make it mean something that it's not supposed to mean. It's like you getting a text message from a friend but you were never in the conversation with them. They sent it to you on accident and when they say shut up, it doesn't sound right in the context. It just seems weird like what? I'm getting a random text from my friend telling me to to shut up. But if you heard the other conversation that they were having, if you saw all the back and forth, it would make so much sense. Whenever you are reading the Bible, you want to make sure you're reading it in its context, okay? So let's look at this man in Mark chapter 5. Here is this man who has been living among the tombs. I want to talk about tombs for just a second. The reason I want to talk about tombs for a moment is uh, this Jesus being a Jewish man And his disciples being Jewish people, they find themselves in actually non-Jewish territory on this particular passage of Scripture. They find themselves going from the, the Jewish side of the lake, if you will, to the other side of the lake. They find themselves in a Gentile region. The reason this even matters is because Gentiles made Jews dirty. That's at least what the law would say. Whenever you're reading through the book of Leviticus and other parts of the Old Testament, you can see that there's all these different laws, all these different things that make a person ceremonially unclean. One of those things that makes a person unclean is touching anyone that's been around anything dead. So here we see a man who has been living among dead things, coming up and interacting with a Jewish Savior. And I want you to see that Jesus Christ does not run from this man who is unclean. Matter of fact, Jesus engages with he who is unclean. And this is why you and I can have hope in Jesus Christ. Because if you're anything like me, you know you've been unclean as well. But he does not turn his back on you. As a matter of fact, he brings freedom and hope and new life to you. Even even when you are at your dirtiest even when you are filthy nasty Gross, you know, we have wonderful children, and others of you have wonderful children, but they're dogs or or cats, and they can go outside. And whenever your kids are incredibly dirty, you want to tell if you're a good parent, and any good parent has done this. Hey, strip your clothes off right here outside, right now, before you come into the house, because I don't want you to track that all the way through the house. We say you've got to take all that stuff off before you come in, but Jesus does not do that with this man. You do not have have to take everything off first in order for me to engage with you. I will engage with you exactly how you are right now. Been living in the tombs. You're dirty. Been living in the tombs. You're dirty. Been living in the tombs. You're dirty. And not only is this guy living in the tombs, he has had a lot of people trying to help him. A lot of people. I mean, when you read it, uh, uh, no one could bind him hand or foot. No no one could help them. They kept trying to keep them confined, but no one could help them. Most times when you and I are battling things, uh, isn't it sad that everybody knows our business? <laughs> we wish everybody didn't know our business, but but it just seems like it has a way uh, of getting out. I uh, took a trip this past week uh, with uh, John, one of our pastors on staff, and man, every I think he tripped maybe three or four times on this on this trip. I mean, literally, we're just walking, and I hear and I look back. I'm like, John, what's what's going on? First time, I'm like, Hey, you okay? Second time, I'm like, Hey, are you okay? Third time, I'm like. Are you the wrong person to bring on this trip with me? Over and over and over again. This guy played college baseball. He was drafted into the majors, and here he is. He can't walk or hold anything. He is dropping thing after thing after thing. So it became something, you know, of course, I'm a good friend. I make fun of him uh, whenever (laughs) he begins to do that. We were, uh, I had gone on another trip, and a guy was walking, and, you know, he was on the curb. But he didn't hit the curb right, and he, you know, he did the whole like his whole body goes and the, uh, you know, like he's doing a dance move. Uh, but there was no, there was no dance move. He just, and whenever you and I trip, if you're anything like me, you look up to see who saw, who saw what I just did right there. Well, I saw this guy, and I caught eyes with him too. <laughs> I saw that, <laughs> and I laughed with him. And I was hoping he didn't have a gun, but I laughed at him. <laughs> Whenever you and I are walking and we trip in front of people, it's embarrassing. So it is with our lives. When you're walking and your marriage is tripping in front of people. Weren't you supposed to be the couple that everybody wanted to be like? Or aren't you supposed to be the the billboard couple? But you're tripping in front of everyone. Hey, well aren't you married? No, I'm, I'm not married. Well, I thought, I thought I saw, I got the wedding invitation. Yeah, yeah you did. It didn't, didn't end up working out. So now you got to answer the question over and over and over again uh, because the marriage got called off at the last minute. And it's not just between you and your ex-fiance. Now, everyone has to know your business. I wish we would have known this thing wasn't going to work out before we ever got into the relationship. So then I would not have to answer all these questions. Trip in front of everyone. I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to have this major. I'm going to start this company. And everyone begins to ask you, hey, what's going on with that? Tripping in front of everyone. Had friends of mine have to be on the top of the mountain financially and then be at the bottom of the barrel. Individuals that were multimillionaires. Then at times, they could be at the bottom of the barrel where they have to borrow money from friends. I'm talking tripping in front of everyone. And here is this man, and everyone knows his business. I just I, probably, He's probably wishing, I wish I could have kept this to myself. I wish no one would have known what I was going through. Which no one would know what I'm walking through right now. But now I've put myself out there and people are coming up. to You ever been sick and people are like, hey, I can help you. Hey, oh, uh, oh, this is going on. Oh, let me give you this. Oh, oh, your marriage is having problems. Oh, why don't you go here? Why don't you see my counselor? Oh, why don't you, oh, why don't you try this pill? Oh, why don't you go here? Why don't you? And you're like, oh, my gosh, leave me alone. Let me just be in misery all by myself. Now that everybody knows everybody's trying to help me and I don't want everybody's help. I want you to feel the frustration of this man. I want you to feel the angst that he was probably walking through. Now, see, we're, we're, we're people at church on Sunday, so we, uh, we do a good job of acting as if we have no issues. I see you looking at me smiling. <laughs> but you were cussing all week, hating your life all week. <laughs> would be cussing all through the worship songs, like, oh my goodness, peace be still my. <laughs> that was too much for some of you, huh? You're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can have these moments. We just feel like I have got to, okay, I'm going around, I'm going around other happy people. So I'm gonna grab my happy mask. Tomorrow morning, Monday at work, I'm not putting on my happy mask. Some fools are going to know what I'm thinking. I'm putting on that stank face mask tomorrow morning. But, you know, it's Sunday. It's church. I want everybody to think that I'm happy. you, you You don't have to fake it here. Here's this man. He is being tormented within. Because sometimes you can have a great face on the outside, but still be tormented within. Sometimes a storm is on the inside. It's interesting, uh, and we'll look at this potentially later in Mark chapter 4, how Jesus just came through a storm and said, peace be still, to something that was going on on the outside. There was a storm on the exterior that Jesus brought peace to, and now here is a man who has a storm going on on the inside, and Jesus is able to bring the same type of peace to an internal situation. So no matter if you have drama on the out or you have depression within, Jesus is saying, I'm greater than both of those things, whether it's circumstances, without. Out or within, I'm I'm bigger. I'm greater. Here's this guy; he's been cutting himself. Do you know the type of pain you have to be in to get there? Some of us maybe have never gone this far. We've never gone that far. Because we can't think to hurt ourselves physically like that with stones or glass or anything like that. But, but there's other ways that we hurt ourselves. Some of us are eating our way. And it, it, it's acceptable in our culture. But it's cutting nonetheless. Some of us are binging in work and in activity and it's acceptable but it's cutting nonetheless you know you don't go home because you don't like the people you go home to so the work is you cutting it's you medicating yourself now that's not for everyone so don't put my issues on your issues on me and I won't put my issues on you but pornography it's just symptomatic Of someone trying to deal with some pain going on the inside most times. I say all this to say this guy in scripture is not much different than you and me. We can look at him and go, Oh my goodness, that's so crazy. Oh my why would anyone do something so foolish? Why would anyone be amongst the tombs? Why would anyone but you and I can get comfortable among tombs? We can get comfortable around dead people. And dead things. We get comfortable around situations that aren't going anywhere. Some of us have friends in here and we know it's a whole bunch of tombs that we are around. But since I'm comfortable here, I don't want to leave this place. So this guy is no different than you and I. But now... Jesus shows up in his life. And I'm so thankful that we have a Savior that shows up in people's lives. Can anybody say amen to that? Gosh, I am just so thankful thankful that Jesus goes to the other side of the tracks. I'm so thankful that he's not just after good people, but he's after broken people, messed up people, hurt people, angry people, depressed people, frustrated people. I'm just thankful that he's not just after one people group, but he's after all people groups. I'm so thankful that he keeps on breaking down walls. Everyone else says, you can't go through here. Jesus says, I'm sorry, I made the universe. I can go right on through that and meet that person exactly where they are. I'm thankful for a savior like this. So here is our savior and he is now not running from but interacting with an individual that's unclean. This man has been among tombs, he's unclean. This man is a Gentile, he's unclean. This man you'll read a little bit later is around some pigs. They're unclean. He's in a community that's unclean and Jesus is saying, "I don't care if there's uncleanliness all around me. The clean one has come in to the building." And since I'm here, I I change everything. That's your savior. He's not just some wink or well weak, not wink, weak. Jesus that is that is disconnected from the world, but you serve a savior that has always been entering into the darkest of scenarios and turning things around. You'll have to read uh, this whole story later because I'm going to have to jump uh, back and forth to different verses. But we discover that this man, he's possessed, he's tormented by all these demons. And if you get to verse number 10, I want you to see how his demons, these demons, interact with Jesus. Verse number 10, chapter 5. And he begged Jesus again and again. The demons... Begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. The depression and the anxiety, what is too great for you actually begs at Jesus to not cast it out. I need you to see that what is tormenting us does not torment him. As a matter of fact, when it faces Jesus, it goes, to mercy, mercy, mercy. It, it, it bows its knee to Jesus. The, the lie is this the lie is, you've been battling with it for so long, you think you have to have it forever. You think you're chained forever. You think this is your lot in life forever. You think, okay, uh, my dad was like this and my grandfather was like this, so I'm going to be like this too. My mom was like this. My grandmother was like this. I'm going to be like this too. I've messed up this way so many times. I'm going to keep messing up this way. And the enemy has tricked you into believing a lie instead of believing that you have been made new in Jesus Christ. You're not the same old person anymore. You have something new. I like here the demons are like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you're the one that I should be afraid of. In our culture, in our culture, it's the darkness that we really, really highlight. We highlight darkness. It's like, oh, scary movies. Oh, you don't want to see, you want the, the darkness, the demons, the anxiety, the depression, the fear. All. Oh, and I'm not saying it's not real. It's real. You look on the news and see it's real. You look in our world and see it's. Some of us are going to go home today, and we know it's real. I'm not denying the fact that there's demons and darkness and issues in our world. I'm not denying the fact that there's all types of things that can be running through our heads. I'm just telling us that we ought not believe the lie that our darkness is greater than our savior. Darkness always bows to the light. It will bow to the light. Your savior is greater. You probably heard the story about the elephant that was born into captivity. Baby elephant with a chain wrapped around its neck with a stake in the ground. And the baby elephant is trained that this chain can hold you. So even when the elephant grows and weighs pound upon pound and is incredibly massive, since it still has the same chain around its neck, the elephant still thinks that it cannot break this chain because it's been chained like this since it was a baby. And I'm telling you, some of you, You are still thinking like you would think when you were a baby. You're not the same anymore. You have grown up and since Jesus has made you new, the things that used to chain you and your family will not chain you forever. You can be and you are free. You're free. You got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're going to have to start. I, I can preach this. But you have to believe it. The word can say it, but you've got to believe it. Well, Earl, I don't. I don't feel it. I don't. Fe- no, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Scripture over feelings. We said it. Scripture over feelings. I don't. I don't need goosebumps to be your motivator. <laughs> I don't need tears. <laughs> well, I'm not crying. It must not be the Lord. He must not be in it. No, no. You don't need tears. Okay. And I'm all, I love emotions. I have no problem with emotions. But don't let those things be the driver. Truth. 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 And it's not just a thing. Truth is a person. And his name is Jesus. You're going to have to bow. The demons have to begin to bow and there's this whole interaction that happens. Again, you're going to have to read it a little bit later. And these there are these pigs that are involved, and they end up r- jumping off of a cliff. And, and all of that happens. And this man goes from tattered clothes, if he was wearing any clothes at all, cut up, hair messy, uh messy. The the picture I have in my mind is he probably is foaming at the mouth. I mean, this guy is in as bad a shape as you can possibly get. And then everyone from the community comes after this interaction with Jesus, and the man is made whole, and they can't believe it. They look at him and go, what in the world? I remember who you used to be. Uh, We've got a number of uh, folks on on our staff team that look pretty now. But there was a day. <laughs> they didn't look all, all that pretty. I think I have a few of the pictures. I think I have a few. I think I have a few pictures. Okay, so on the far left over here, that's John and Jessica Youngblood right there. That's John and Jessica Youngblood, okay? They're probably high in this picture right here. This is this is a, a clean version of the two of them. Back in the day, guys, man, I w- I've seen some pictures of them. I'm like, what What did you guys do with your time? I mean, you were, were you just wasting your whole life away? Ron and Judy Brown, now they look pretty distinguished right here. Judy can't help but look like she's got it together. Look at that haircut right there. I mean, come on. If you're wearing that dress, you know you got it together. But Ben and Casey Stokes uh, over here, uh, this is the Kurt Cobain, I guess, uh, Ben Stokes. Casey looks beautiful. It's her wedding day. These are some of the nicer pictures. Because these folks now have gone from who they used to be to who they are now. They have been transformed. Everyone in the chapel, I'm just trying to tell you that that you, you can, this is your story as well. This is our story here. Someone will try to take a picture of you at some certain point in time in your life. They'll try to take a picture of you when you were 22, and they'll try to hold you to that picture forever. But these people in the scriptures, they got to get a sneak peek that this is not who this guy used to be anymore. Now he's someone. Somebody brand new. Can we give God thanks and praise for being made brand new? Can we? You can look at them now, but put their now picture back up for me, please. Put their. You can look at them now, and you might think they never went through anything. This is actually one of the problems with grace, if there's any. <laughs> One of the problems with God's grace is he is so able to clean up a person that you will look at them and you would think they've never been through anything. You would look at them and go, oh, man, they're perfect. Oh, they don't know nothing about my life. And they're looking at you like, you don't know nothing about my life. You don't know what I've walked through. You don't know the hell that I've been through. You're seeing me right now, but this is after walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm thankful that he did not leave me, that his rod and his staff comforted me. But there were some times I was about to give up. And I'm glad I did not stop there because now I made it here. And you're looking at me trying to judge me now like I've always been perfect. I haven't always been perfect. This is the grace of God all my life that has made me who I am. I am. This is this man's story. I meet some people sometimes. I mean, cute. Oh, I'm so cute. Oh, I'm so sweet. Oh, I'm so nice. And then you start hearing this story. You're like, oh. I had you watching my children. Okay. Oh, Okay. That's what the grace of God does. I love this about the grace of God. And this man got to experience it. So now go with me to verse 18. Go with me to verse 18. This man's life has been changed. This man's life has been transformed. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, the man who had been out of his mind, the man who had been living among the tombs, the man who had lost everything, begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Watch this. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the the Galapagos how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You can read later, even in the book of Mark, I think it's chapter 7 or chapter 8, Jesus comes back to this region and some individuals begin to ask Jesus to perform some miracles. Obviously, this guy here, or it it would seem this man here went out and started telling people what Jesus had done for him. So the next time Jesus came to the community, people had some faith stirred. I just want you to know everyone in here is not going to work at church. And you can get so impacted by the grace of God. You're like, oh, I got to work at church. I got to work at church. I got to work at church. And Jesus is saying, no, I can't have you work in a church. I need you to go back to your business. I need you to go back to your community. I need you to go back to your family. I need you to let them know that is your church right there. Be the pastor in that area right there. Be the pastor over those employees, those coworkers. Share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with them. Don't insulate yourself from the big bad world since you've been so changed. And now you are empowered to go into the world and be the church in the world. I am uh, so proud of this man, what he did. Because he could have argued with Jesus, but he didn't. <laughs> All right, Jesus, what's your path for me? That's the path I'm going to go on. And he went the direction of the Lord. Some of us today are in tombs. You think about the battle and the struggles that we are in, and I want you to know there's hope for you today. There's hope. You're not too far off. Whether you're in the balcony, on the floor, in the chapel, online, you're, you're not too far gone if you were at least able to get dressed and in your right mind today, then this obviously, this man was even worse off than you and Jesus reached him. And if you got to hear all the stories of the people in this church family, you would think, okay, yep, there is hope for me. There's hope for my marriage. I met a woman uh, this past week. We were flying back on the plane and the flight attendant, um, she uh, gave me a compliment, uh, or she said something to me, and I, and I said something about my wife. She said something to me, and I like to bring in my wife immediately into any conversation with any woman when I'm traveling. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I bring her right on in. They're like, oh, nice shirt. I'm like, my wife made this shirt, okay? My wife ironed it and put it out and put it on the bed for me, and I love my wife, and she's so fine. I got <laughs> I'm going kind to of go maybe a little bit overboard. I got a ring on. I got a ring on. I got a ring on. So I just, I just like to do that. And uh, so I said something really kind about my wife. And she says, oh, well, how long have you been married? Because if you say anything kind about your wife, obviously you're a newlywed. That's what she's saying. I said, I've been married going on 21 years. And my wife's still my best friend and the most beautiful woman in the world. And I love her so much. And she began to talk to me and John. And uh, John. About her marriage, how it's done. There's no more hope for it. No more hope. My husband he doesn't want to do anything. He just stays at home all the time, and I, I like to go out and I like to see the world, but he just he just stays at home all the time. He's not interested in doing anything, and and I'm trying to speak life over her, and she's just running over everything. I'm just run, not hearing one word that I'm saying because I'm like, hey. I got to bring Jesus into this right here because this woman right here thinks her marriage is hopeless. But I've already seen people come out of the grave. I know that her marriage is not over yet. I'm just trying to speak some words of hope and life into her, and she's not hearing any of it. I've been praying for her and her husband the last few days. Praying that there would be a great pastor or someone like you in Chicago or another flight attendant or another pilot or another co-worker that will share what Jesus Christ has done in their life so this woman can know she doesn't have to live among the tombs. I want us to be a people who walk in this type of freedom and this type of new life, sharing the message that this man experienced with those in our world as well. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor right now. Bow your heads if you wouldn't mind. And hear in the chapel, bow your heads just for a moment. I ask you to bow your heads not because it's mystical or magical, but just so that you can focus for a second. I want you to to focus in on the sound of my voice, but more importantly, the grace of God that's drawing you close. If you're here today and Jesus Christ is not number one in your life, he's not first in your life, he's not the boss of your life. If you're honest with yourself right now, you would say your life is not in Christ's hands. You're going your own way, doing your own thing. And today you are ready to surrender or to resurrender your life to serving Jesus. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking, were you baptized? I'm not asking, have you ever joined a church? I'm asking, is your life surrendered to Christ? See, first in your life. If that's you here and you've never made Jesus Christ number one in your life, you've never made him first or at one point in time you did and you slipped away and you've gone another direction and you're here under the sound of my voice and you're ready to surrender or resurrender your life to serving Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something incredibly bold. Literally on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air and say, yes, that is me, here and in the chapel. Ready, one, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. We have friends? putting their hands up all over this place and saying, yes, I want to put Jesus first. I want to make him number one. I want to go his direction. I don't want to go my direction any longer. I'm going to ask everyone in this place, everyone in the sound of my voice, to put your hand over your heart if you want not mind. Chapel, do this with me. This auditorium, do it with me. And I want everyone to repeat this prayer out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm for every friend and family member of ours that's getting on the path of the journey of following Jesus. We celebrate what God is doing in your life right now. We are so honored to have you joining us today. Hopefully you've been inspired to make it on earth as it is in heaven. For more information, please visit our website at shorelinecity.church.